We have got a fantastic episode for everybody today. We've got Coach Tad, Coach and GM of the Kansas City Mavericks, Tad O'Had, joining us for an interview today. Uh, then we're going to be talking about the Chiefs. We got to talk through it. Got to talk through it. Um, and we'll be talking. I think I'm already like kind of okay ish. I've calmed down. 24 Yet, hours. Yesterday I was very bad. 24 guys. hours. Um, we got some openings and closings to cover around Kansas City. Uh, we got to talk about what we tried this week. Um, again, Kansas City restaurants in the news for good reasons. Uh, we'll say something nice about St. Louis. We'll complain with our personal pine tars, and then mixed plate. We're going to be talking about Dayton Moore's a legacy. Mi- a mixed legacy. Uh, for the mixed plate, Dayton mixed Moore. Legacy for the mixed plate. Um, so great show for you guys today. Welcome into State Your Line, a podcast for Kansas Cityans by Kansas Cityans. We are the Ritz Brothers. Today is September 27th. And the Chiefs laid a big old turd on the field in Indianapolis. I mean, that's just bad things happen when we go to Indianapolis. Yeah, what's up with that? Just bad things happen when we go there. Uh, bad things happen when we play the Colts. Uh, those are just the way the universe is sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had uh, someone listening to the episode from last week, oh. which I've already forgot about. Yeah. But they, were, they said our takes about the game aged like milk. Yeah. Not good. Well, they're we only a week, they're only a week old. Uh, milk doesn't spoil in a week. I think we left it open and outside of the refrigerator. Outside, like outside, probably. That's yeah. how our takes. It's aged. got like bugs floating in it now. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I'll go back and listen to that because I don't know. I, I mean, w- I probably I, said we we were just going to kill them. I I was so confident yeah. that we were going to beat was, them. We were going to cover. Yeah, uh, it wasn't going to be close. I was very confident in that. I was definitely telling people the morning of that we were gonna we were gonna smoke them. So I had yeah. those takes uh, Sunday morning. I but know, I, like I went to a bar to watch the game because I was so confident. I was like, I don't even really care if my viewing experience mm-hmm. isn't great because gonna be a route. it's gonna be a route. It's gonna be nice and relaxing. Lots of high fives with strangers at a bar. Uh-huh. It would have felt good. So, um, so yeah, that yeah, that was that was a stinker. I, I don't really know how else to explain it. Um, let down by a lot of people. And I saw you had the pie graph out there. Yeah. I, I literally, so you put that pie graph out there. I that, built it out of just my brain. At that, at dinner that night, I was literally, ha- I hadn't seen your post yet. And I was literally having the same conversation with my sister-in-law about where I was going to assign the blame. Because that was fun. I wanted to assign blame. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had, I had, um, okay, I, I think it all starts at the top. I think it all starts with Andy Reid. So like, Sometimes when when players and coaches get put into positions, um, it's not their fault that they're bad. It's their fault that they're there. And so, like, I've had issues with Dave Tobe for a long time. Yeah. And so, like, you know, Andy Reid is never going to get yeah, rid of Dave we, Tobe. We've had the firedavetobe.com domain for four or five years I, now. I've, I've tweeted been, that thousands yeah. of times. So, like, the fact that Dave Tobe is bad. We're sitting on that domain. And without, a, without an elite kicker like Harrison Bucker is, you know, Dave Tobe is 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 not good. And and every single facet of the special teams, other than our Lord and Savior Tommy Townsend, mm-hmm. who's our, our our best player again, um he he looked and good. And a but, great Twitter follow now. He's cracking jokes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But uh but the special teams was really bad. But so like Dave Tobe has had a bad game and the special teams had a really bad game. But it's Andy's fault for 
that. So, like, I assigned the biggest portion of the pie to Andy because he's he's, he's the organization. Hungry. He'd love for you to do that because then he'd make a little joke about it. I know, yeah. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, a piece of the pie. Good. Yeah, he and then, He'd turn it into a joke. Very, yeah. very likable And joke. then I went, I think I went Dave Tobe next. And then I think I went, um, I think I went uh, Travis, uh, the offensive line after that. And then I went uh, Patrick Mahomes, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I went Travis Kelsey. Or maybe it was Travis and then Patrick, and then I went Chris Jones, a little baby sliver. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, I mean, because uh, Chris, Chris Jones, that, that, that situation with the unsportsmanlike conduct, um, you, you, if you're Chris Jones in that situation, you cannot assume that they're going to call a foul, a penalty on yeah, you. So, I like, know. Chris Jones didn't do anything wrong. In his in his mind, and so like again, that's just wild and random, and that and in literally my mind, lost I don't think he did anything wrong either. Agreed. Yeah. Like, same. That happens after every single play. Yes. People yeah. talk to each other. Yeah. So they don't say nice things always. Yes, yeah. But they're grown men, mm-hmm. and they talk to each yeah, other. So that and to throw a flag in that situation yeah. is just like, hey, I'm a re-, like no Colts fan would have complained at all yeah. if there was no flag Yeah, thrown. you, uh, like, an extremely like, biased fan wouldn't have even thrown a flag. No one would have cared. Yeah. Like, compared to a face mask being grabbed and twisted. Yeah, or like, really weird. Yeah. That, like, obviously we're going to complain about that. Yes. But no Colts fan. It, it was just a ref inserting himself yes. where he didn't need to. Yeah, at the most critical point of the game. So, like, d- did we lose the game directly because of that? Yes, that that was that was one moment in which we lost the game. But, you know, there, there was a lot of other things that just that's weren't clicking. That's why there's clicking. lots of slices to go Yeah, out. that's why there's a lot of slices. And mm-hmm. I think Chris Jones, while that play may have had, like, single, like other than the Travis Kelsey catch, mm-hmm. that play, the Jones penalty, might have had, like, a bigger, like, actual impact on the game. But, you know, we just did not look prepared. The offense looked out of sync. The offense looked out of rhythm. Um, Mahomes didn't seem comfortable. He didn't seem like he was... Uh, they had like a succinct game plan. It just seemed panicked. It seemed unprepared, and uh, and it's, it seemed like that whether we had lost the game or not. So like that was one of those situations where I, I still thought we were going to win the game, and I was like, okay, this is going to be a game where I don't like the result. Like where as with the Chargers, I was like, okay, we played sloppy, but we got the result. That's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this game, if we had won the game, I would have been like. Yeah, but I'm starting to get nervous because we had 10 days to prepare, and this is a, a, a team that is not as good as us across the board. Um, they're not nearly as talented, and the fact that we just squeaked by has me worried. That was like my thought process up until about you know 2:45 uh, yesterday, and so you know I was preparing to be like, yeah, the results are not good in this game, not good enough to to deviate or to to justify how poor the process was and uh and so yeah it was just it was bad all around it was bad clock management by Andy Reid at the end it was bad special teams Mahomes and the offensive line did not look in sync the wide receivers couldn't get open every pass Mahomes threw there was the wide receivers were blanketed mm-hmm. um just a just a just a bad game ugly gross turd turd of a, a game yeah i think K-State fans need to cover their ears here because it reminded me, the last drive reminded me of, like, I think it was 2013. So K-State had just won the Big 12 championship in 2012. Mm -hmm. 2013, North Dakota State came to town Mm. and had a 10-minute drive to win the game. Yeah. And that, the Colts was nine and change, Mm -hmm. that drive. And that was just, like, 30 minutes in real time, I think, of just, like, death, 
just just could not get off the field. Just an infuriating drive. Yeah, that was. I mean, we. Got but I still the only field, gave yeah. the defense the smallest sliver. Yeah. of the pie because they played really well. Yeah, the defense did play good. The defense um, looks really good. The defense looks fast. But yeah, the the offense was very frustrating. It seemed like we thought we were going to be able to run the ball really well on early downs, and so we kept doing that and doing it and doing it, and it 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 did not work. It did not work. Um, and that was frustrating to see us stick to that. Mm-hmm. Um, when passing the ball on early downs was very effective. It did work. Us. It yeah. did work. It did work. But we wanted to well. keep running it. On yeah, first and I just second. there's something weird going on with the running game. I mean, um, our our run blocking has been really good, but it just hasn't had the results. And there's been a lot of talk today already about how you know consistently last year and already in three games this year, our run blocking is good. Our mm-hmm. run blocking by most metrics is good. Uh, but we still can't run the ball effectively, especially um, in goal line situations. Uh, again, um, stuffed uh, near the goal line for the second week in a row. So uh, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so when things are like that bad from the top down, it, I mean, I think it, Andy has the biggest slice of the pie. So mm-hmm. make your joke, Andy Reid, about how much you like pie because you're getting the biggest slice from me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and Dave Tobe, the special teams – I, like, I don't know why, we, I mean, more obviously on the muff punt. He looked shaky against the Chargers returning punts. So I saw him in training camp. You he saw him shaky. in training camp. I yeah. saw it with my own eyes. Um, that was my one of my takeaways I talked about on the show is that Sky Moore is going to muff punts play the tape. this year. And, uh, and then I, Isaiah Pacheco, like, what are you doing? McCole Hardman got one target yesterday. Mm-hmm. Why can't he return kicks and punts? He's clearly not a part of the passing game. We're not even trying to get him the ball. So, like, what, why, why, McCole returned punts his entire career up until this year. Mm-hmm. Just put McCole back there. Just put McCole to return kicks. Isaiah Pacheco has no clue what he's doing. He's a seventh-round rookie. And he cost us... 10 yards, like, on three straight possessions mm-hmm. so, by taking the ball out and doing a poor job of it. So, like, and then, obviously, you know, the, the fake field goal and the missed field goal, it's just, a, it's a, it was an atrocious, atrocious game from the special teams. And, and like, you, you, you have rookies in there and guys you sign off the street, and it just, it was stupid. Like, yep. why did we, that fake field goal was dumb as hell. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So dumb. Objectively dumb. Yep. Dumb. Frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, just a lot went wrong. The defense played good. I'm excited about the defense. The defense looked good. Spags called a great game. Like, mm-hmm. everything Spags did was just, like, sprinkled with with fairy dust because he was making every right call, it felt like. And, uh, yeah, just a, a turd of a game. Yeah. It was very, very frustrating. So, yeah. Uh, what we got? Tampa Bay. At least Tampa Bay coming up, not 10 days to wait for football. So mm-hmm. it'll be yeah. here quickly. We were favored by two and a half points against Tampa and Bay. And it is the second lowest um, like total. Over under, yeah. Over under ever for a Patrick Mahomes game. Yeah, 44 or 44 something. is the, the over under. Yeah. I'm hammering the over. Our defense looked good. Not that I can place bets, but... I'm yeah, because you're against you're against uh, sports bet. I'm apps. against it. I'm against the apps. So yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we we in one of those so if situations. If anybody knows a shady bookie, I could get involved with. Yes, that's, that's how you I prefer want. to do it. That's how I prefer to do yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah, we need to we need to look good. We okay. absolutely have to look good uh, mm-hmm. this week. And you know, Tampa last time we played them, yeah, it was not good. Um, so I think the the text that I got on Sunday morning was. 
uh, from my K-State friends was, did we borrow too much happiness from Saturday Dude, for today? Don't worry, because the text that did, I was getting... And it was... And I said... It, and I was thinking about K-State and KU, and I said, don't worry, Mizzou's mm -hmm. got us covered yes. because of how they lost. Like, things can't go bad for the Chiefs today because of how bad it went for Missouri exactly. on Saturday. We literally— I thought you guys were, like— Dug deep enough to level out. the universe would, would level it out. To level out for the Kansas City fans. Like, mm -hmm. we, we dug so deep— in, into sadness and misery and yes. depression that— the yes, we, win, we covered your mountain win. that you the mountain as high as you guys are, we're we're lower than both of you yeah. guys combined. So yeah, I agree. I thought we leveled it out for and we would come back to even and and, and the uh, Chiefs would the win. The Chiefs would win and all, everything would be good and mm -hmm. it would be even. But um but I guess not. Yeah, I, I know. Just, I was gonna thank you for your sacrifice, you know, but nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. It's just uh it's it's the meme like uh, you know, God God uh, saves his toughest battles for uh, his strongest soldiers, and yeah. and it's Jesus. Like, how are you still alive? <laughs> to um, Mizzou fans, to Mizzou fans, like how mm -hmm. Mizzou Chiefs fans, like how are you still alive? Yep. And Mizzou fans in particular, because uh, yeah, if we want to transition to college football, that was that was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my wife was at a, a baby shower, I think, um, during the Mizzou game, and she came back and she goes, "What happened?" Like. Did we like? I just saw all these my group threads uh, and texts going crazy. Like, did we just get killed by Auburn or something? And I was like, "Sit down. Let we, me walk you through how this game ended." You invented a new way to lose. You will not even believe. Um, she was like, "Oh my god!" I was just like, I saw the text thread blowing up and just people and the the thoughts on Mizzou. I thought we just got killed. I was like, it would have been better. It would have been better had we lost by 41 to Auburn. Um, but no, no, Mizzou lost uh, three times on on Saturday. Um, it was pretty remarkable. It, it was one of the worst games of football I've ever watched mm -hmm. from an um, enjoyable standpoint. And then from like a, you know, it happened to be my team on the losing end of such misery. But yeah, I mean, it's one of the stupidest rules in sports, The this fumble. But I, it didn't go out the end zone. But, but yeah. There's nothing I can say about yeah. Mizzou, about Mizzou athletics at this point. It's just uh, you, you think that it can't happen again. The amount of unbelievable ways we have lost games, mm -hmm. but it just keep it just keeps happening for the Tigers, and it's truly, truly remarkable. That was a new one. That was mm -hmm. a new way to lose. Um, but yeah, I was on cloud nine that Saturday night. Yeah. K-State takes down Oklahoma. Adrian Martinez is looking like— Is he good again? Yeah, he's good again. Okay. Uh, looking like the guy that we thought we were getting when we had him as a transfer. It was incredible, a revenge game for him. Mm -hmm. uh, we've beaten Oklahoma three out of the last four years. No. Uh, People are talking about that. 24 in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and Kansas, a football state. KU, undefeated. And, like— they're good. They look good. Like, at first I was just like, they're just not bad. Uh-huh. That's but what I thought. But now I think I have to say, like, they're good. Dude, it can't and get like, any worse. Will November 26th, KUK State, like, is that going to determine, like, who plays in the Big 12 championship game? I can't even like, fathom that, Kevin. I can't begin to think about That sense is coming out of my mouth. I can't even point. begin to think about that because that's so disgusting and so mm -hmm. wrong. It's wrong. It's it's objectively wrong. So yeah, having Mizzou lose the way they did um, in just remarkable fashion. If you haven't watched it, if you're just now hearing, maybe you're a KU or K State fan, you haven't watched it. I mean, and it's at, amazing. At the same time that's happening, K 
KU is putting KU it on is, Duke. Is, is winning Duke, uh, is beating Duke, who was undefeated. Um, and like, I think uh, Daniels has the six best, best odds to win the Heisman to Trophy. Win the, Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the KU quarterback has the sixth best odds to The only solace I can take is that like, Kansas fans are starting to freak out about Leopold uh, leaving because mm-hmm. of all these job openings that are happening here. Uh, so that's the only solace I have right now. But yeah, KU fans coming out of the woodworks, mm-hmm. KU football fans. Um, so yeah, just um, it's 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 as bad as it can get for me right now. Yeah, yeah. At least I didn't have like, at least I didn't have like Tottenham playing this weekend. And yeah, and our Kansas City Royals came largest comeback in the history of the organization yeah. um, against the Seattle Mariners, um, who are fighting for a playoff spot. So <laughs> I can't imagine being a Mariners fan. Yeah, being up eleven to two. Yeah, losing in losing. a pennant race in September to the Royals. That's brutal. Just fired their GM. That's cursed. Yeah, that's cursed. That's mm-hmm. why they haven't been to the playoffs in twenty something. Yeah, they're they're pretty cursed. They're pretty cursed. All right, uh, let's wrap we'll up. Get, our, we'll get to Dayton more yeah, in a little bit. We'll, we'll get to Dayton more a little bit later. Uh, so we'll wrap up the football talk there, and we'll jump into some openings um, around Kansas City. Uh, first of which being uh, the other place. That's the name of the restaurant. Not just another place, the other place um, is opening up a restaurant in uh, Mission. Mission. And they're going into the Italian Delight space? Yeah. Is that right? Early 2023. Two, Italian Delight. COVID I never got went. it. I never went. Great New York style pizza. Um, really good food. Damn it. Um, so I was sad to see that go, but the other place. Also very good food, not good pizza. That's 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 but incorrect. I love their other that's food. Wrong. But their pizza's not good. No, but they're going into Italian Delight. When's that happening? Yeah. So Italian Delight had been there for thirty eight years. Yeah. Um, I good. I know it as the shopping mall where the driver's license bureau was. Yeah. Uh, the shopping district right there. It's that's kind of a very across, uh, needs Mart- a facelift. Yeah, it does. Because like the high V over there is kind of nice and. It looks like everything has gotten a facelift except that little strip with mm-hmm. the driver's license bureau over there off Martway and and basically Johnson Drive um, and Lamar. Yeah, yeah. So the other place is going in, uh, looking for a 2023 opening. The other place uh, has been around since 1970. It started in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It's, it came to Kansas City. Its first location was in downtown Overland Park. That location is still there. It's not going anywhere. Um, now this is going to be the fourth location in KC. I think they've got one in Olathe and then one out west in Shawnee. Yeah. And then this will be the fourth location in KC. Yeah, we love the other place. We grew up going to it since mm-hmm. it's uh, downtown OP is close to where we grew up. Um, so yeah, this is the 11th overall other place location, fourth in KC. The other place pizza is very good. Um, get Disagree. the five, get the five star, or it's called the four star. I can't remember. I think it's called the four star um, pizza. There, great crust. Um, I love the other place pizza. Their fries are elite as well. Elite. And um, burgers are so good. Good burgers. Good uh, like sandwiches. They have good like hoagie hoagie yeah. uh, Italian. Don't sandwiches. sleep on the wings there either. Good wings. Really, True. really good. So yeah, just a, a sports bar. Lots of TVs. Good. Good. Elevated, good bar food is yes. what I'll say. Yeah. So that's going in uh, early 2023. Uh, next opening uh, to talk about, similar to the last one, uh, a restaurant we know about moving into a new location. Um, this one's Pizza Tasio, which has a St. Joe Roots, uh, North Kansas City location. They're going south into Overland Park. And now they're announcing going on to 39th Street 
I assume in DeBronx old location. Is that you assumed wrong? I assumed wrong. Okay, yeah. so DeBronx is still alive. Well, I don't know. I haven't don't been know. on Thirty Ninth Street in a little bit, and I and we haven't talked on the about rocks. it on closings. We did talk about it on closings. As a maybe closing? As a maybe closing. Okay. Yes, they were a maybe closing. Usually we try to keep our closings to definitive closings. That was like a oh, maybe. Okay. Well, yeah, so Pizza Tasio, I uh, we also talked about Pizza Tasio because I tried it. It was on a what we mm-hmm. try this week for me. I said it was just, I said it was good, not great. I said yep. it was just okay. Um, Performed very well in our best pizza bracket, though. Yeah, I mean, it's got a good word of mouth thing going, I guess, um, other than me, but... Yeah, so they're opening on 39th Street in the old, it was called the Meatball District. Remember that little space that lived for yeah, a little bit? Yeah, I had it. I ate it. The really? Meatball District, yeah. yeah it, was it was a chain. I think I had it in Omaha. No, I don't maybe. think it was a chain. Okay, well, then I had it there. It yeah. was decent. Yeah. There, I had a, a Groupon there. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember Not when bad. Groupon was like the shit? Yeah. Um, Still great deals on it. Really? Yeah. I, I've, I've not looked at Groupon in Download probably yet. since 20, I'm saying 2017. Yeah, it's, that's when it was hottest. Yeah, it was super hot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like 2015, 2016, Groupon was everything. Um, so Pizza Tasio, yes, it it started and first one opened in January in North Kansas City, like right on, what is that, Burlington? Yeah. Like Nine Highway, right? Right off that. That opened in January. They opened a, a location in Lawrence in August. They opened uh, out on 119th Street in Overland Park in September, and now they're opening in Midtown in October. So four locations, uh, all opening this year of 2022. Um, New York-style pizza. They also have a Detroit-style pizza. It's mostly by the slice. So you would walk in, grab a slice of za, um, which I love pizza by the slice. Like, I fully support that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But you can also order full pies. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's not great. It's good. Okay. Um, all right. Also opening... Uh, we've got Manila Bay on Maine. Uh, so this is, let's see, Midtown and... No, Crossroads. Oh, it's Crossroads. Oh, yeah, 20th and Main. 20th and Main. And is it, uh, I mean, I'm assuming some Filipino food? That's right. Yeah. Is this like the second Filipino place we've covered yeah, in the last couple tings. of weeks? Yeah, there's Tings. Yeah. Tings in the River Market opened. And yeah, this is uh, Manila Bay on Main. There's a Manila Bay Express that exists, which I think is a food truck. Out south, it looks like. Oh, I thought, like, yeah, Grandview. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is opening, um, it's taking the place of Pirate's Bone. Oh, okay. It's the same owner. So Jasmine Thompson is her name. I think we need to have her on the pod. Okay, let's do it. One, we can talk Pirate's Bone drama. <laughs> and because, Get to the bottom of it, because there's yeah, been a lot of drama we've talked about. Because Jasmine closed both Pirate's Bones, <laughs> both bones of Pirate's, <laughs> uh-huh. and has... Replay, she still owns the restaurants, and it's still Jasmine Thompson who opened. Remember Sofrida's? We talked about mm-hmm. that. That like kind of maybe uh, Cuban. Yeah, Latin. We just talked about it. Yeah, on like, Maine. La- so yeah. that's her, and so is Manila Express. Okay. Yeah, and so, she owned Pirate's Bone. And she owned Pirate's Bone. Okay. Both p- bones of the pirate, and uh, which was the vegan burger place. So it's still owned by Jasmine Thompson. She brought in. A new chef, um, and yeah, Manila Bay is Filipino. Uh, it looks good. I think they're open. I think that she just like turns these around real quick. Okay, she yeah, got the rest. Because, she got the facilities. I guess because so does or, or whatever it was called. That was quick. Is also open. Mm-hmm. That took Pirates Bone. Okay. Um, all right, let's get into our our closing. 
this week, uh, which, man, this must have gotten announced. Maybe it was last Tuesday, so right after we put the pod. I think it was Tuesday, out, yeah. Uh, is Dayton Moore's time with the Royals. So, 16 years. 16 years. Um, do, you I, have a, do you have a good, like, summary? Like, 16 years, this is his record? No, but like I, did, I did some research last year, and um, the winning percentages in Dayton Moore's first 15 years versus the winning percentage from the 15 years prior were identical. I remember you doing um, that. So based on winning percentage, looking at that, we really didn't win more in the 15 years that he was here than the 15 years prior. Oh, other than the World Series. Yes, correct. Uh, but overall games, no. Okay. Uh, but but we went to the postseason. Twice. So it's it's a very mixed legacy. Uh, at this point, but that's why we're having for the I think play. that's why we are very thankful for him bringing a world championship and two pennants to Kansas City for showing this generation of Kansas City like what Kansas City can look like as a baseball town. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's why we're hungry for more uh, is because of what Dayton did for the city. So, so do you think his own success was his downfall? Um, Icarus. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, his downfall was he wasn't good enough yeah, at his job. Exactly. And he did not produce enough uh, winning baseball games. And it got to a point where his he was never going to change. Dayton Moore has been doing this for a long time. He has core beliefs, and we've said it a lot on this podcast. Um, he has core beliefs that are detrimental to winning baseball games. And that uh, is just – that can't exist in a sport where um, – it changes so fast. Mm -hmm. uh, the data and the 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 way to build a winning baseball team changes from season to season. Almost it feels like, and um, there were times where we were ahead of a curve. I think not because of like intentionally, but because of uh, the 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 market we played in. So, for example, like we valued bullpen strength before the rest of the. American League and before the rest of it was cheap MLB yes and, did. and, and contact hitters were cheap yes and so like that ushered in success for us um I don't think it was in I you know I, it's hard to say but I, it didn't seem like super intentional because we were bringing in guys that we thought were starters that worked to the bullpen and we were bringing in guys that were cheap it didn't seem like an intentional move to make one of the greatest bullpens of all time literally by any metric was mm -hmm. those 14 15 and 16 bullpens with with um, Holland and and um, Herrera and and Davis and um, and so like Ryan Madsen, Madsen was was yeah. sick. So like a couple of years, we were ahead of the curve, and that was one example. But um, but yeah, I mean, just he did not do his job, which was building a winning baseball team uh, to a satisfactory level, and I think that's pretty objective um, that he failed there. Yeah, did he win? A World Series for us, and and am I forever grateful for that moment because it was one of the best summers of my entire life, yeah. best falls of my entire life, um, from fourteen to fifteen, and uh, that entire part of the fourteen summer was like one of the worst summers of my life because we were like forty eight and fifty or something like that. We were two games under five hundred, and it looked like it was all over, and we were gonna have to blow the thing up, and the James Shield trade didn't work, and all th everything. Nothing worked, um, but we came back, we made the playoffs, we went to the World Series, ended up being one of the best. 15 was incredible, forever grateful. Dayton mm -hmm. Moore was in charge when that happened and made some good moves to, to 
complete that and to finish it yeah. off. Um, but just three winning seasons out of 16, um, it's just not good. And um, it's not good enough. And there are other teams that have the same resources that we do that have done significantly better on a year-in, year-out basis. And um, he just was adept, adept to change and, and uh, did not um, did not move the needle far enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't get the job done. Agree. Forever grateful for what he did, but I, I want this next era of Royals baseball uh, to be one that's competitive year in and year out, to be fighting for a wild card spot uh, year in and year out. With seven teams in the playoffs. Yes. Three wild card possible. teams, right? Is that, isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Three wild card teams. So seven out of, there's Four, six, 15. 15 teams in the American League yeah. are making the playoffs. Yes. And so to be competitive and to, to compete for that spot every year uh, is what I want the Royals to do. And I think John Sherman kind of said it well in his press conference. He was like, Dayton's talking about winning a championship. This like we got to worry about getting to the wild card. Yeah, I want to know what a what a wild card team looks yes. like, not a championship team. I want to see a wild card team. Mm-hmm. That's I love that that he said that. I thought that was very candid and, and very yeah. thoughtful. Um, that was weird that uh, Dayton was at his own firing press Kinda conference. Kind of like his, uh, almost something Michael Scott would do a little <laughs> bit. Like if Michael Scott was being fired, uh, but he saw it as like a um, at like a retirement ceremony, but it, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Like Michael Scott would go to mm-hmm. his own like and like have a press conference when he got fired. What if he didn't up? know he was getting fired and like he just showed up and Michael's because that would be Michael Scott, yeah. right? He would Michael Scott wouldn't know he's getting fired and uh, and then he would. And he would show up and be like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be funny if that yeah. were the case. But again, good Dane Moore, by all accounts. Um, I've heard him talk a number of times because he was really involved in the community, was always doing talking events, uh, uh, speaking engagements. Um, good person, by all accounts. Um, yes. A, a good, but when, when you say things like, I'd rather develop a good man than win, win baseball games, that's not what you're hired to do. When you say things like, the Urban Youth Academy is my proudest achievement in Kansas City. Um, that's not what you're hired to do. Your job is to Why win do you baseball hate the games. Urban Youth, uh, I don't. Academy. I don't. I don't. But your job is to win baseball games, to build a team that can compete. That's what you're hired to do. Yep. You're not hired to, to make better men. Um, that's not your job. Well, we're Just ready not. for the next era. Um, but his apprentice for 21 years, JJ Picola. That's that's frightening. That's frightening right there. Um, but, but my hope is that like JJ was innovative, trying to do things a yeah. new way and Dayton was just stifling that. I'm trying to think there's a movie where like this situation happens and the understudy is like, they're like, can you do it to the understudy? And the, and the mentor is like, no, he would never do it without me. And the understudy is like, no, I can do it. Um, you know that that kind of it's it's a bit of a trope, but I'm trying to think of the movie where that. Yeah, time. I'll try know. to think of it. Uh, but yeah, I think Dayton Moore he leaves having done so much more good for the Royals and for Kansas City than bad. I think bringing bringing a, a world championship. Okay, flags fly forever. Yes, flags fly forever. And I think what he did with the city, I think he did restore baseball from where it was, like early 2000s. Like, will we even be a team? Will we exist? Sure. To okay. winning a championship. Um, but now it's time to move on. And and we are probably three years too late moving on. But we're, we're finally moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move into uh, what we tried this week. Uh, this week, I got to try uh, Sawa Sushi. 
I think it's called like Sawa Sushi and Hibachi because it has Hibachi there too. Where at? Um, it's at 95th and Null by Pretzel Boys. Okay. And uh, nope, Null, like Null Liquor. Null Liquor. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, so got some sushi from there and some miso soup. Miso soup, soup was good, pretty solid. The sushi was just okay. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was because it was like specialty rolls were like probably over $15 for a specialty roll. Uh, so pretty pricey um, for the the quality there. So mm -hmm. a little bit too too pricey for for what I was getting. Uh, so it's just okay, but uh, that was Sawa Sushi. I'm trying to find this mentor. What'd you Google? <laughs> movie where the mentee overtakes the mentor. Mm -hmm. I also Googled um, movie where the mentee usurps the mentor. <laughs> Is it Jerry Maguire? No, not even close. <laughs> anything, Haley? You got anything? All right, just yeah. noodle on it for a little I'll bit. Google it. Um, all right, this week I tried. Um, what I try? What I try? What I try? Oh, I tried Banksia. Uh, you know that little cafe in South Plaza? Yeah, I've tried it. Um, yeah, I know you've tried it. Um, it was okay. It was good. It was fine. It's a cool spot. Really cool spot. They yeah. were just. They were. They were. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe they thought people didn't like coffee in the morning because they had one person working. So taking orders and making all the Did you get like the, uh, the Australian? Uh, no. So I like saw the flat white. I think that's what they drink in Australia. I saw the, they drink that anywhere. I saw the. Um, but it's not as typical in America, right? I think it's pretty. Well, no, it's not. Correct. Right. You're right. Okay. Um, but So that's the most popular way to drink it in Australia. Okay. The flat white. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just a latte with no foam. Yes. The, um, the, yeah. So I just got a coffee because the guy was just like, he was by himself. So he's taking orders, trying to take money and then trying to make all the latte drinks, uh -huh. like all the espresso drinks. So, uh, I feel bad for him. Um, so yeah, I just got a coffee and then, and in that place, they just gave you the cup and I went and did the pump. Mm -hmm. But you know, they look like they, they so they, they had one person in the bakery, like in the back baking because it is also a, a bakery yeah and some of the meat pies yeah some of the stuff they were handing out looked really good but i mm -hmm. i didn't have time to to do that so, okay anyway uh, thanks yeah here's some suggestions for that movie you're thinking of training yeah. training day nope um but that's that's wanted it's more like wanted maybe i can do it oh, fudge dude oh i'm so close i'm so close it's on the tip of my tongue um is maybe maybe they're like talking about computer hacking? So like, Gordon, like hacking into a Gordon Gecko and Wall Street? No, no, because every list I look at is like mentor movies where the mentor is good. It's like that's what you're finding too. Yeah. Oh, Looper mentors who upended their proteges. Yeah, there you go. That could be good. What's I mean, what do we got? Bruce Wayne versus Raja Ghoul. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, not it. Either. Not what yeah. I'm thinking of. Kill Bill Volume Two. Mm, good one, no. but nope. That's not it. It's more like you had, they had to step up in a stressful situation, mm -hmm. and like I feel like they had to step up like to a computer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. If you're I mean, listening to this, just text there's me. There's no way you know anybody it. knows. All right, all right, all right, all right. Move on. Introduce the. Uh, all right, the, the interview. interview. Okay, so the interview we have Tad this O'Hat. week, our guy Tad O'Had is Tan- back. Tannis guy in hockey. Back on the show. Uh, Tad is the general manager and head coach for our Kansas City Mavericks. So season is starting soon. Training camp's coming up. Home games start soon. There's a Blues um, Dallas Stars game coming up as well. So a lot to talk about with Coach Tad O'Had. All right, today we're here with our friend Coach Tad O'Had from the Kansas City Mavericks, second time on the podcast, Coach. Welcome back. Uh, we hear you've been a listener of State Your Line since we last talked. So maybe we'll start there. What's been like your favorite restaurant recommendation maybe that we've given so we can pat ourselves on the back? You know that. what? Yeah, yeah. I was new to KC when, when you guys first interviewed me, and so I'd check out the podcast and, and see what was going on. And, um, you know, I've all enjoyed the restaurants. And so whether it be Italian or, you know, your, your talks on barbecue and, you know, you let me know about, a, you know, a sandwich place, you know, right around the corner mm. here. Oh, Bay Boy. Bay yeah. Boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I checked that out, you know, off of your guys' recommendation. And so, you know, I always get the good Casey insight from you guys. Yeah. Uh, so not only are you the head coach of the Mavericks, you're the general manager of the Mavericks, too. Um, one thing I was reading about the team this year is you guys are tall. You got a got a tall team. A lot of guys over like six foot three. Um, does that help? How does that help in hockey? Yeah, and so one of the things I don't is, know about. I don't know. I never thought of height being a thing in hockey. Not necessarily height, but when you think about it, like we want to get bigger, especially on our back end on our defense. And when you think about that, just stick reach. And mm. so when you have to skate around mm. a defender, um, you know. The, in hockey, just like all sports, you want time and space. And when so you're when you're able to eliminate time and space, that's how you defend well. And so um, all of our D men, um, outside of one, we've got one that's five eleven. The rest of them are six four, six five, six six, six seven. Uh, we've got the tallest decor uh, in the league. Absolutely ecstatic with our decor. We're rugged. We're heavy. Um, it's going to be good because they're going to be able to hold lines, clear net front just defend well, especially penalty kill. And that was an area we wanted to continue to improve on, just add more grit to the, to the lineup. Also in goal, um, our goaltenders are a 6'4", 6'5", and 6'6", and um, just the more net they cover, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I can't say that we went out, you know, and just planned to go, you know, get the tallest team. But in the offseason, we had a lot of conversations about, about the team we wanted to put together, and one of which is, you know, we wanted great goaltending. I'm ecstatic with where our goaltenders are. We've got three, um, one from our affiliate and two uh, that we've signed, um, just cover a lot of net talented. And then our decor, I, I cannot be any more pleased. I think we put together one of the better decors in the league. And as I said, we want to take away time and time and space. And then our forwards, our forwards are uh, fast, talented, skilled. Um, and so we like what we're putting together from a team standpoint. Yeah, so the team that you're building now, you guys uh, have a new affiliation. So for the past five seasons, I think you were with Calgary Flames as your NHL affiliate, um, as a member of the E8, ECHL. Did I get that, did I get that right? Yeah. Correct. Um, now you guys have a new affiliation with the Seattle Kraken. So now if Kansas City people out there are looking for an NHL team to be a fan of, well, first, your hockey team is the Kansas City Mavs. Second, if you want an NHL team, it's the Seattle Kraken. How does that whole process happen? Is that is that above your head with Lamar Hunt Jr. that, that deals with all of that? Or 
Are you talking to Lamar Hunt Jr. and and others about, yeah, you like Seattle or you think that can help your team and you think you can help Seattle's team as well? It's a little bit of both. You know, um, this has been a process that's been in the making for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, you know what? Because last year was their first season, right? The it Kraken? was. It was the Kraken's first season. It was mm -hmm. their inaugural season. And then Seattle's affiliate team, which is the AHL team, which is the Coachella Valley Firebirds, this is their inaugural season. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've been in this process for about a year and a half. And we're appreciative of Calgary over the past five years. But we realized we needed to move on. Mm -hmm. For us to continue to be the best organization we could be poss possibly, we needed to um, find and work with a new affiliate. Um, that's not to slight Calgary. Um, during COVID, it was very challenging. They had moved all their operations north of the border, mm -hmm. which made it impossible for us to get players. Mm -hmm. And then this offseason, they moved their American League club back into Calgary. So it just made it challenging. And so uh, we were talking to... Uh, different NHL clubs um, between Mike, uh, our president, Mike, um, and myself, we um, had several conversations on what made best for what was best for us long term. Um, Seattle flew out and visited us. Um, we, uh, you know, showed them facilities. We took them around town, Kansas City. We showed them the apartments. We really showed them what the players were treated to, mm -hmm. um, not only from a player development standpoint, but you know, their wives, girlfriends, from a from a family standpoint. Um, and the synergy was excellent. Um, Seattle's an exciting organization. Mm -hmm. They've got excellent ownership. Um, they've also got excellent, uh, and you know, their brass. Uh, Ron Francis is their GM. Uh, Ricky Olchuk, assistant GM, who we deal with a lot. Jason Botterill, assistant GM, and then Troy Bodie. Um, these are men who will be an integral piece of building, you know, the Kansas City Mavericks and helping us. And then we we'll just we had a great synergy with them. And and ultimately, Lamar and myself and Mike, we all agreed that this was the right direction. And uh, we got a great deal done with them. And uh, I honestly feel that it's. Um, one of the biggest steps in the right direction for this organization. Nice, yeah. And and you mentioned that you thought this summer you had a, a great recruiting class and a great recruiting process this summer. Um, was the pitch, was the Seattle pitch part of that? I mean, were you able to say, uh, you know, we have a new affiliation with Seattle and, and outside of all the things that you pitch about coming to Kansas City and the great environment that we have here in Kansas City, uh, did did the Seattle affiliation help with with that recruiting process this summer? Yes, one hundred percent. Like when you're making a pitch, it's no different than a college football you know coach trying to make a pitch. Um, you want to look at how you can recruit them, how you can retain them, and then you talk to them about opportunities. One of the things that Seattle has, they've had two years of draft, but none mm -hmm. of those players are necessarily eligible to be playing. So there's not a lot of um, stock in there. There's not a lot of players in their American um, league system. And so that provides opportunity for our players. Uh, for mm -hmm. example, we have four mm -hmm. players from our current ECHL roster that will be at training camp for Coachella Valley. As well as Seattle has listened um, a lot to myself and Riley Wesolowski, an assistant coach, with regards to players that we think are top caliber ECHL players that could also play in the American League. Mm -hmm. And so they've signed several players that will may possibly end up in Kansas City, but will get the opportunity in Coachella Valley as well. And so we'll be heading to training camp this weekend. And uh, we're excited to see those players. Um, Coachella Valley uh, Firebirds is is the 
team. Um, how many music festivals have you been to? <laughs> yeah, not, not, not too many, a few. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine. That seems like when I think of, um, again, when I think of hockey, I, do, I wouldn't think of Coachella as, uh, as an area for um, a hockey team to thrive. But it sounds like this is their inaugural season. And, and uh, I mean, it sounds like being a part of the Seattle um, organization, everything you've said about them so far, they've got the right people in charge. Definitely. You know, I, I think players also, you know, when they look at where they want to play or where they want to get called up to, Palm Springs, California is right. not a bad place. Yeah. yeah. You know, brand new arena there, Plus, too, right? Brand new Hockey arena. players are yeah. often uh, golfers as well. Lots of golf in, in Palm Springs. Lots of great golf, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, a lot of exciting things coming to Kansas City here soon, too. Uh, the first of which you talked about training camp starting, uh, but then we also get the NHL teams coming to town to play at your home arena at the barn. No, uh, no, no, the, the uh, cable stable. The cable stable. Yeah, cable Dahmer. The cable uh, stable. And, so, and the horse is cable stable. We uh, came up with that nickname last time he was I on. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, I know, RIP to the eye. Yeah, the, the eye. The eye is gone. <laughs> Silver Steve. Um, but uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, we got Blues versus Stars coming to town for that. Um, and then are, are the Mavericks involved in that game at all, or we're just kind of spectators to that? You know what? And so the Kansas City Mavericks are the ones putting that game on. Mm -hmm. uh, Lamar Hutt, um, our president, uh, uh, James, uh, um, Mike, and then uh, James Arkell, they've all, you know, really gone above and beyond to get that game here, you know, for Kansas City fans. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be put on, as you said, at Cable Dahmer Arena. And um, you know what? The Mavericks are going to be spectators. We're going to enjoy mm -hmm. the game. We're going to, you know, cheer it on. I think the big thing with that is last year was the first game we had had in Cable Dahmer Arena. It was sold out. Mm -hmm. It was a great atmosphere. It was the St. Louis Blues and the Chicago Blackhawks. And the players loved the experience. They loved the atmosphere at Cable Dahmer Arena. And it really showcased what hockey is in Kansas City. Kansas City, as you guys know, is a phenomenal sports market. Mm -hmm. They love their sports. But, uh, you know, another year to get the Blues black back here, the Dallas Stars, it's going to be a great game. It's sold out in a matter of hours. Um, and it's good for hockey in this area. Yeah. You know? So you've been here three years now. Um, how have you seen hockey grow in Kansas City uh, you know, since you've been here? Yeah, it, you know what? It's, it's continuing to grow. The youth programs, um, they're continuing to get better. Um, we've got some great coaches uh, that are ex-players with the Mavericks that are helping out with the youth programs. John Scott Dixon, not only a great player, but a, a great coach here in Kansas City. He's running the youth program. And you're seeing our, our youth players really take strides forward. Um, and so over the next few years, it'll be exciting to see what the Kansas City youth hockey is yeah that was that was gonna be my next question was like do you try to recruit from the region or from the metro and are you trying to like build a like some homegrown talent that they were youth players in Kansas City and then you know they, they work their way up through the Mavs ultimately that is our goal yeah you know um, is there an incentive to do that I know like in some and like MLS contracts and different things like that there's an incentive if you like if it's a homegrown player, is there any incentives with the ECHL to do no, that? No, no, okay. you know, but I still a goal of yours. Yeah, talking with Sporting KC, they do have that dynamic, and through their club program, it's a it's a personal goal for our organization. And I would say we would look at that more from a statewide standpoint. The um, 
St. Louis has some great youth players that have gone on. Mm-hmm. We have some players on our team from St. Louis. Um, also, uh, we've got several players from Nebraska, Omaha, mm-hmm. that are, you know played there collegiately that are coming back. We have a player on our roster this year, Nate Nopke. His family's from Shawnee. And so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, he had actually played some of his hockey here for a Russell Stover program many years ago in Overland Park. And so it is a goal of ours. Um, the, and the, the more the kids see the you know Kansas City area, they enjoy it here. And I think in the future, you'll see more Kansas City players. Yeah, I hope so. I know that hockey, obviously, because the NHL has been in St. Louis for a long time, it's much bigger there. Because I went, I went to Mizzou, University of Missouri, and so... Uh, you know, a lot of my friends were from St. Louis and in St. Louis, like all of those high schools have hockey teams and, and basically all my friends uh, from St. Louis, they all like grew up playing hockey. And I don't think that's ever been the case in Kansas City, but it feels like after talking to like Brian McGannon, like four years ago, I think we mm-hmm. talked to him about it and, and talking to you and um, we've talked to someone from the Mavs every single year. And it just seems like that is starting to grow in Kansas City where more youth programs and high school teams and different things like that are starting to to come out. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think games like, you know, this with, you know, the St. Louis Blues and and the Dallas Stars, it just continues to create that excitement. The more success the Mavs can have, mm-hmm. we're going to have that rippling effect that's going to just build down through the youth program. One of the things that we're doing this year is we're actually holding an open practice at each of the rinks in the area. And so at KCIC at Line Creek at um um at um Uh, the Carriage Club, we will have practices at all three of those arenas uh, during the year just for the youth players to see, partake, be a part of it, just continue to create that excitement, not only for the Mavericks, but for youth hockey around here. Yeah. Um, All right. So first game of the season coming up uh, in about a month, October 22nd, I think there's a a cowbell giveaway that first Mm. game of the season. How much do you think opposing fans or opposing teams hate having to come here and listen to the cowbells. You know what? I would say every single like team. I, now I'm having deja vu like I asked you about this last time. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't think a lot of people enjoy the cowbells, you know, especially on the free giveaway night. I'm sure yeah. mom and dad don't appreciate it either <laughs> yeah. on the car ride home. Yeah. You know what? Cable Dahmer Arena, the fans, we've got great fans here, and that arena is loud. It's yeah. an exciting atmosphere. Our last home game of the year was sold out, and it was absolutely electric atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that – Almost all the returning players that had signed with us this summer had said, is they said, Tad, we want to win. And not only do we want to win, we want to win in KC. Yeah. And uh, it's just because that's an electric atmosphere, but those cowbells will be rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure people's ears are going to be ringing at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that Cable Dahmer got that Blues, that NHL game. Like, I'm surprised it wouldn't go to, you know, T Mobile Center where it holds like 20,000. Is that or 15,000, whereas Cable Dahmer holds about five and a half, six. Is it just because of the atmosphere that you guys have created that that encouraged like the NHL to want to play there as opposed to a bigger arena? You know what? To be totally honest with you, I give all the credit to uh, Mike Kachini. Mike is our president of the Kansas City Mavericks. He came on from the Kansas City Chiefs. He and Lamar Hunt and James Arkell have been instrumental in creating hockey Mm-hmm. in Kansas City and finding ways to create excitement. I give those three men all the credit 
Uh, Mike has worked um, for the past two years hand in hand with St. Louis. And last year, you know, there was the first time they came back from the last time they played at uh, T-Mobile or Sprint mm -hmm. Center at the time. And they came back and they saw how well ran it was, how organized it was. And they saw that it was a sold out crowd mm -hmm. that they wanted to do it again. Yeah. And I, I really commend those three men for putting that on. Yeah, I understand, you know, where you're thinking is, is, hey, you know, we, we why wouldn't they do it at T-Mobile, larger capacity? But to be honest with you, the last time it was there, it wasn't great from a capacity yeah. standpoint. And one of the things that the players shared on St. Louis and Chicago, when they have these preseason games, they aren't always sold out. The atmosphere isn't always electric. Mm -hmm. And for those guys to come into Cable Dahmer and know that that's a sold out game, it's electric. You know, a lot of the times with preseason games, you know, much like the NFL, those are guys fighting for jobs and spots. Those are guys that are either going to go to the American League. Maybe a few guys are going to end up on the NHL club. Mm. Other guys are going back to junior or the ECHL. Um, uh, so I, I, I commend Lamar and, and, and Mike and James for doing that. And I believe that this is going to be a, a, a trend in the future, uh, not only to have maybe one, but you know, potentially yeah. two games. No, I think it was the right move because I think you're, if you're creating a hockey culture in Kansas City, I think you have to start where the culture already exists, which is at, which is at the cable stable. And, and so I think, that, I think that makes a lot of sense for, for them to do it out there. It's just, you know, a lot of times you assume people are going to, you know, do what's best in the best interest of, of their pocketbooks, which is sell more tickets. And, and, uh, but, you know, maybe, you know, the, the scarcity and the demand for the tickets, uh, is going to make it like, you know, a must have ticket and people are going to really want to be a part of that. I think the other thing is just to get people to where the hockey's being played. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. hockey's not being played at T-Mobile. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's primarily concerts and, um, you know, to get them out to Cable cable Stable, Cable Dahmer Arena, yeah, yeah. and not only to see that, but then, hey, next door is a practice rink, mm -hmm. you know, and so for the growth of youth hockey in this area and also bring in the interest, get people know that maybe they who aren't familiar with the Kansas City Mavericks, hey, you enjoyed this game, come to a Mavericks game. Yeah. And you guys, mm -hmm. you guys just missed out on the playoffs last year. It looks like you guys play in probably the tough, toughest division. Um, what are your expectations for the season this year um, for for the team from a like finishing standpoint? You know what, our, our goal every year is you know to make the playoffs and 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 strive to you know play for a championship. That hasn't changed since day one. Um, you know, I would say the past two years have been as challenging years as in my hockey career. Um, and you coached in Russia. Uh, I was I, I was in Russia and then I was in Florida. And yeah. so, I mean, these were challenging, you know, the COVID, the COVID year was hands down the hardest year I've yeah. ever been. Mm -hmm. And a lot of coaches will say that. I think the thing is, is that we have done everything. And I, I commend my assistant coach, Riley Wesolowski. He's done a phenomenal job. We've done everything this off season to put together a team. We focus so much on culture and bringing in the right players. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the size and then with the help from Seattle, um, they've been remarkable with the players that they've signed with us and the communication they've had. Um, I'm excited. And uh, I believe we're putting, you know, um, our efforts in the right direction to be not only a playoff team, but uh, a perennial, you know, uh, you know, team that can have a lot of success in the playoffs. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, um, you also this this off season, you put together a good recruiting class, and you uh, you threw out the first pitch for the Royals game. Um, although you didn't throw out the first pitch, yeah. you uh, 
you hockeyed it in you I, I, what would you call it like a shot wrister, it yeah, a like, shot it in yeah. um how did that how'd that go how'd it turn out was it a strike because the video online you can't see if if the catcher caught it yeah exactly you know that's a good video <laughs> shoot right there so it's interesting you know our, our you know head of pr you know zach he, he had contacted me said hey you're throwing out the first pitch at the royals game and right away i'm thinking you know, Tad, it's been 30-odd years since Little League. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to warm up that arm. <laughs> and um, you know what? It, uh, it's not like riding a bike, mm -hmm. you know? I've <laughs> shot a lot of pucks, and I haven't thrown too many baseballs. And uh, was, one of my buddies was joking with me. and sent me a video of Minnesota Wild, you know, uh, saucing a ball in for the Twins. And uh, so between Zach and and uh, my my trainer, you know, I said, you know, it might be easier just to shoot it in. Yeah. And so then they uh, said, well, you got to do it from the mound. And I'm like, well, the mound's downhill yeah, and it's yeah. dirt, mm -hmm. you know. And so I had this little piece of turf. And uh, we were practicing outside the arena, you know, the day of, you know, it's raining. We're out there, you know, saucing <laughs> baseballs, you know, into, into my trainer, Zach, our PI, our PR guy, he's catching them, you know, feeling pretty good, you uh -huh. know, like, hey, you know, most of these are strikes. Some of them are a little bit high. And I get out there the other night and it was great. They're playing the Seattle Mariners. That's my that's my team. I grew up, you know, mm, okay. in Washington State, and you know the Royals got the win, so that's good, keeping them out of the playoffs. And uh, <laughs> you know, did you see uh, yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a ten-run comeback or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, sorry, didn't mean to bring that up. And uh, you know what? Um, went out there and uh, Slugger. You know, I, I'm not going to put it on him. You know, I think he should have caught it, but mm -hmm. you know, I did put it kind of low on his ankles. You know, and so uh, I don't know if it was a strike or a ball. You know, I, I didn't. Yeah. But uh, it was a great experience. I really appreciate that Royals letting us come mm -hmm. out and do that. And uh, it's definitely a highlight, something uh, something cool, a cool yeah. experience. I've, I've uh, thrown out the first pitch as well. I also blamed the catcher for not catching <laughs> yes. it. So I know uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I mm -hmm. like blaming the catcher. Um, have you seen Top Gun Maverick? I have. Great movie. What did you think? I was pretty impressed. You know, the first one was a classic. Yeah. And I was a little hesitant. And mm -hmm. uh, I caught it. And it was Honestly, I thought they did a good job with it. What, have you used any like metaphors or have you used, have you shown the team it? Have you done like a team building where you go and see that movie or any, any we're going to do Maverick any Maverick connection. Yeah. We're going to do any promotional uh, nights for Top Gun Maverick. You know what? I, I like where you're going. You mm -hmm. know, I you gotta have, probably have to grease Tom Cruise's pockets a little yeah, bit. But yeah, my hat's a little bit. There are some good promo nights though this year. Okay. This, these are ones that I was circling. Uh, ugly sweater night sounds really fun. Sounds like you guys are gonna wear some ugly sweaters, maybe too. I'm sure we will. I'm sure uh, the Miracle on Ice promo night, like 1980 USA beats Russia. So you dress some, up as uh, as the coach? Yeah, maybe he gives. The uh, speech. I might, he might yeah. have to give the Herb Brooks speech. Uh -huh. Brooks, yeah, uh, which that looks fun. A St. Patrick's Day jersey sounds awesome too. Like. That would be a good collector's item there. I, I do, and I think from what I'm hearing from our uh, from our uh, PR department, I, we're going to be wearing uh, gold helmets, gold gloves. The jerseys are going to be done up. It'll be pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, so yeah, those are those are some that I saw that I was like, wow, those would be really fun games to get to. Um, and I was also thinking about uh, planning a outdoor hockey game in Kansas City. You've been here a little bit now. Well, how would you plan an outdoor hockey game here? If you guys were to plan one, where would you put it? Say budgets like unlimited. Yeah, you just get your dream scenario to plan an outdoor hockey game here. Well, I, I think you know we'd we'd have to do it at the K. I, I uh, years ago I had worked with Hockey East and they did the Frozen Fenway. 
Mm-hmm. And it was one of the cooler experiences. Um, they had a Boston College, uh, BU, Harvard, and a Northeastern. And mm-hmm. they, they they played the game at Fenway. What a cool experience, yeah. you know? And so, I mean, I think that would be phenomenal. That'd be a great experience if you did it at the K and, you know, mm-hmm. bring in like a, a Tulsa or a Wichita, you know? Yeah. And uh, But that'd be a lot of fun. Or like collegiate level, like UNO, get them down here against somebody. Yeah, uh, definitely. That would be cool. I was thinking about the new stadium they're building down by the river too for the women's soccer team. Yeah, the current like that stadium. Could That'd be, be amazing. Yeah. That could be a good one too. So, um, but outdoor hockey in Kansas City that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, we have pretty dependable winters. Like once you get to January and February, it's cold enough. I think. Uh, I mean, up until then, it's really random. But I think we get there. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's, it's pretty random weather around here. The first year I got here, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, some days it would be you know snowing, and next day it's seventy. So <laughs> yeah, get used to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, coach, we're excited for the season. Sounds like training camp's coming up. Uh, tickets are on sale, so uh, make sure we come out and see Coach. Yeah, the Orange Army. Perform. I mean, it's just crazy. We talked about some of the, uh, you know, how it's always sold out. We talked about the promotional events. But do you see home crowds like like we have here in Kansas City when you guys travel? I mean, do we have, do we have like, it sounds like, I mean, last time we talked, I think you said that our home crowd is, is pretty rowdy and one of the best in the ECHL. It is. It is. Our fan base, um, our, our, our crowd during the game is as good as any in the league. I'd definitely say it's in the top four. Yes. Um, you know, we've Kansas City, Kansas, very much, much better than Wichita, much yeah. better than Tulsa, much yeah. better than Iowa. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a phenomenal fan base, and it's a rocking at the, the Cable Dome Arena. All right. Coach, thanks so much for being here today. We really appreciate your time, as always, uh, and good luck this upcoming season. Thank you. All the best. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks to Coach for joining us again uh, this week. A lot of fun talking hockey when he was I like, "I do love the way he when talks he just uh, just completely owned you with like, oh yeah, I sauced one in there.' Yeah, when you were like, you hockeyed one in there. I, like, I couldn't no, think of I shot sauced one. Yeah. Sauced one. He was like, yeah, I was out there saucing it. I said wristed it in there. Yeah, but he sauced it in there. He did he sauce it in there. Slugger didn't catch it. That's on Slugger. Yeah. Well, but dude, can you imagine? Coach was saucing it. Yeah. In I, it was saucy. How does Slugger catch with a mascot head on? I don't know. He does a lot of things with a mascot <laughs> head on, though. I think Slugger's <laughs> injured. You think so? I think so. That would make him and Casey Wolf both injured. Broken back. Yeah, both injured. Inspirational. Um, yeah, uh, thanks, Dad. I can't wait to get back, get out to the uh, cable stable. Um, the games are that, so much that fun. Orange Army. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's fights. There, like it's usually very crowded. Every st- pot, every um, puck stoppage. There's a there's a thing going on. There's something. There's a, a competition. There's something going it's on. It's fast paced. There's tons of shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very very fun to go out there. Even if you don't know anything about hockey, it's a good time. Agreed. Um, all right, uh, next up, uh, Kansas City is in the news again. So last time we were talking about this, uh, it was Baba's who made the Baba's Pantry. Baba's yep. Pantry made the list um, of like top new restaurants in America. Now there is the restaurant list, 50 places in America we're most excited about right now from the yep. New York Times. Ever heard of it? Uh, and who made the list but Kitty's Cafe. Been there. Uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. Over, it's on Southwest Boulevard, right? Not even close. No? Nope. 31st and, uh, like, uh, just a few blocks east of Troost. Okay. So, like, no, no, no. No, I think, like, 
close to Martini Corner, just a few blocks east of Martini Corner. Okay, over by Street. like Operation Breakthrough. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm there. I'm um, yeah, so so really close to True. So Kitty's Cafe has been open since 1951. It was founded by Kitty Kawakima and is now owned by um, Charlie Solovong. Um, so it's been owned by uh, Japanese immigrants the, the entire time. Famous for their um, pork tenderloin sandwiches yeah, that are tempura battered pork cutlets, um, triple stacked. I, I had it, and it's like basically triple stacked pork tenderloin. It's like a pork tenderloin flattened that they just like folded over three times, and uh, it's amazing with with um, like candied onions on or just just raw onions on top and and a good um, sauce on it. Um, it is really really good. It lives up to the hype. Um, it's it's a little tiny dive uh, hole in the wall, cash only place. So if you hear this or if you um, saw the article and you want to go, it is cash only. So remember that. And there's there's a couple tables set up outside that it looked like they were like temporary COVID tables, but they might still be there. And uh, so you can sit outside, but mostly it's just to go business. They don't do online orders. They don't do uh, phone orders. You got to go in. It's very old school. And uh, yeah, basically when this article came out, they said they had a ton of people coming in and um, had to like work overnight to uh, to get these tenderloins uh, battered and ready to go for the next day because they almost sold out of it um, the day it, that this came out. So, um, so yeah, still, um, you know, same old recipes, same everything since when it opened in 1951. And that's why I made the list. It's funny that this was like restaurants that we're excited about 50 in the country and yeah. it's like a 50 year old restaurant yeah 70 year 70 old year old restaurant, restaurant. I, yeah do the same thing mm -hmm. 1950 that was 50 years ago mm -hmm. um but yeah it is uh yeah it's delicious i've been it's really good i would recommend um all right uh next uh returning segment here say something nice about st louis it's been a while mm -hmm. um but albert pujols 700 home runs. Pooh holes. I, I don't know if we're going to see that again in our life. Yeah, I mean, he's been around so long. He was His he first was there when I was, was when I was m making the pooh holes joke uh -huh. um, because I was an immature little eighth grader. Yeah, because in 2001 he hit his first home run, mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, hit 700 this week. Which again, I don't know that we'll ever see it again. Yeah, the the longevity and consistency of his career is remarkable. Ford Osage graduate. Mm -hmm. um, Remarkable how? 20 years. Chemically chemically uh, hey, assisted. No, no, no. no, no. Saying no. something nice. We're saying something nice. Saying nice. Uh, he's got 700 home runs. No, dude. I, I don't I, know if we'll ever see it again. I really, really was rooting. Take that that shot aside that I just did. Forget I said that. I really was rooting for pun Albert. Intended. Um, <laughs> yeah, intended. There you go. Not Pun was not intended. Um, I really was rooting for Albert to get to 700. I think he's legitimately a good dude. Um, I think, you know, the, the contract that he signed with the Angels was one of those where he was, you know, got paid an insane amount of money for past work. And that mm -hmm. kind of was how baseball contracts were going at the time. It was like, you just sign everyone to a 10-year, $400 million, $250 million contract yeah. or whatever it was. And he didn't quite perform. So he never... And then... I don't think they went to the playoffs when they he was there. Once, um, and they lost in three games to the Royals. They had right. three playoff games there. So, so yeah, I mean, his 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 uh, Angels legacy a little um, uh, diminished, but as a Cardinal, you know, I think probably right behind Stan the Man Musial and and um, mm -hmm. um, um, who's that legendary pitcher? 
I mean, they've got a lot of legends in the in the organization because they're a good organization, historic. There, listen, saying yeah. something nice about Kansas, nice. about St. Louis. Uh, but yeah, I was rooting for Albert to get to 700 because I think he's a good person. I think he, um, and he was an incredible hitter. Like for the the 2004 to like 2010. Bob Gibson, so Bob Gibson, yeah. yeah. Um, he was an unbelievable hitter for everything, average. Extra base hits, home runs, uh, walks—just an unbelievable hitter. And uh, um, yeah, obviously a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, a legend, and yeah, mm-hmm. probably the last guy to reach 700 home runs. Yeah, I I, I can't. I mean, it's insane. I mean, Judge, maybe I don't know where Judge is going to end yeah, up. But um, but to do it for 20 Stanton, years is yeah. just—it's insane. It's crazy. It's an insane run. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Grinky. We don't know if we'll see it. Grinky's pitching tonight. It could be the last start for him. This is season 19 for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just incredible that longevity. Um, all right. Uh, next up, we've got our uh, personal pine tars this week. Uh, I got one fashion related here. Okay. So I went to the fart fair on. Uh, Why is a fart fair? On Friday. I heard it was. I heard it was wild. It was awesome. Yeah. Perfect weather. It was packed. Um, so many people there. It was beautiful. It was awesome. I was there. I was corporate Dan, though. Um, I was being corporate, too, because my wife got um, invited to, like, a VIP tent. Mm. So free booze, free food. Look out. Fantastic. Uh, but uh, I was I wore a jean jacket to be cool. Whoa. To, like, go to the art fair, you yeah. know? It was, like, kind of brisk, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be kind of artsy. I'll wear a jean jacket. I'm going to be cool. I've never seen this jean jacket. Yeah, it's sharp. You haven't you haven't de- uh, you haven't debuted it yet. Art fair is a good place to debut. I was like trying to be hip and trendy, yeah, and cool. Um, I, I you know I got some coffee at Messenger, that sweet uh, sweet potato sweet potato coffee, yeah. Uh, and I saw Isaac, our guy there. Oh really? Got the caramel shot in it, like he recommended. Oh my gosh, it was awesome! Wow, fantastic. Perfect. So great fall drink. I got it on ice. It was good. I'd love to get it hot, but it just was was too warm. Okay, that day. So I'm wearing my jean jacket, feeling cool. And then we leave, and we left earlier than I thought. We left at like 6.30, uh-huh. and me, Asian Rockers are playing football. Yeah. It's right on the way home. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'd love to go to that game. You know, you played quarterback. I played quarterback in, I don't in know high school. People no know deal. that, yeah. Uh, so then I'm like, all right, perfect. I'll just go to the game on my way home, get dropped off, get a ticket, walk in. It'll yeah. be great. So I do that, and now I'm 31, and I'm – Billy Madison walking mm-hmm. into my high school with a jean jacket. Yeah, like that pulling is up literally in the Firebird with uh, with Guns and Roses. That playing. is literally it. Billy Madison. He pulls up in a jean jacket, like pops yeah. his pops his sleeves. I think he's got like uh, Motley Crue or something yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in his like T Bird or whatever he's uh-huh. driving. Yeah, and that's what I felt like. And I was like, it's cold. I have a jean jacket on, and I'm like rolling up. To my high school, yeah, uh, to watch a game, and then I I would watch the game on the field. Thanks to Alex Keith, fan of the show, for mm-hmm. for getting me on the field. And um, well, no, it was because you used to play quarterback there, and well, you're a legend, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, uh, he honorable saw mention, me. honorable mention, Eastern Kansas League. He saw me and was like, "All right, you know, he waved me in." Yeah, waved come me on, in. yeah. So this, this guy doesn't pay for tickets. This guy in the jean jacket, yeah, yeah, come on, and he's that cool. He was honorable um, mention, Eastern Kansas League. So I, I just felt so. What'd you do? Did you leave the jacket on the whole? It was time? cold, so I had to leave the jacket mm. on. Yeah. So then. I think people thought like he's he he prepared for this game to wear a to jean wear a jacket jean jacket to it like I was 
trying to be cool or to, make a statement. Only for the real thing to be you wanted to fit in with the art crowd yeah. down the plaza. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, that's what I was trying for, but then I just ended up being in a jean jacket. And, like, I couldn't explain my way out of it because then that would just make it worse. Mm-hmm. So then I just had to be jean jacket guy. Jean jacket guy. Trying too hard at his former quarterback. I mean, you should have yeah. just worn the Letterman's jacket. Just I, get it over I with. was, yeah. I should have just worn the Letterman's jacket. I honestly, I would have felt more comfortable in that. <laughs> I'm not joking, because like, that would have at least looked more ironic, and people maybe would have known I was being ironic. But Jean Jacket was just like, mm. it was just trying hard. Tough luck. It was tough. All right, uh, my um... and the Stags won. Oh yeah, beat the Hawkers. Little 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 bird Hawkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. My, uh, I was going ham in our group chat too, like way too aggressive, oh, over yeah. the top aggressive mm-hmm. to all my rockers friends. As you should. Um, my uh, mixed plate um, is pretty, pretty um, severe. Okay. Pretty. Your personal pine tar? My personal pine, pine tar. I hope you're sitting down because this is egregious. Um, when I'm working on the show notes for this, I've got a lot of uh, windows open. And the way I operate is I open windows I don't open tabs okay. because I like shuffling through them via Alt-Tab. I like Alt-Tab, too. And the worst thing ever is when you're between two and one a third one gets in the middle there and you keep on hitting Alt-Tab once to go back and it's not the right one. Mm-hmm. And so you... and. And, but then you start typing or working, and you, and you click Alt-Tab it. again, and you forget that you need to hit it twice. And then you do hit it twice, and then you hit it once, and then you hit it twice again, and then you get stuck in the same cycle of you you can't just swiftly go Alt-Tab once, Alt-Tab twice to get in between the, the windows that you're looking at. So, again, I don't know how, you know, I've had a hard weekend. To throw this on top of it is just... Uh, just beating me while I'm down. Yeah, getting caught between the alt tabs. Yeah, when you're trying to go fast. When I'm trying to work fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's frustrating. That's my personal point. <laughs> yeah, um, serious stuff. I've got serious. I've got a hard life. Hey, uh, that's what that's what this is for. You know, challenges like that. At least you weren't wearing a jean jacket. <laughs> jean jacket is pretty cool too. Like, uh, is it is it nice? Yeah, Where'd you get it from? It's cool. Uh, actually, I think I got it from like Men's Warehouse or something like that. On clearance. Nice. Pretty good deal. All right. Uh, mixed plate. Let's go with... Uh, I should have worn it in here today for this. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's go with... Maybe uh, just like go home and take a picture and send it. Yeah. And, and just use it for social media. Yeah. Send it uh, to Haley and she can just like splice it in there. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, mixed plate. Dayton Moore's legacy. So uh, it's good. It's bad. So Danny, you're going to be taking on the good. Look, I'll do the good. I'm going to be taking on the bad. You've been, since this podcast started, very anti-Dayton Moore, so I'll let you the have the first fun time stuff. we had a uh, friend of the show, Alec Lewis. Who might have gotten Dayton Moore fired. With his, with his article? With his article. On his way out of town? Yeah. Well. We're going to have him on the show to discuss here in a little bit. But oh, good. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. His article... Was a very, very well-written, good well, uh, article. When you see in the byline, Alec Lewis, Rustin Dodd, and Andy McCullough, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, something's about That's to go down. That's a trifecta Those are the really, th- really good reporters. The three last people who covered the Royals for the beat, for the athletic, and have moved on to really, really big things, um, and are all really, really good, respected writers, when you see those three in the in the byline, you're like, saddle up, partner, because yeah. they're coming for blood, and it, they got it. Uh, I mean, I don't think they were coming for blood. No, though. no, they, they they had no malice in it the article. Just, it was fact based. Yes, good reporting. Like there That's wasn't it. 
their opinions injected in it. Mm-mm. It was what smart people around baseball say about the Royals. Yes. And facts what from the Royals. What successful people around baseball say like, about the Royals. That's all the story was, was yes. people who had been around the organization yeah. or had evaluated the organization and what they had and said And when Dave was it. asked about it, he threw out, oh, anonymous sources aren't good. It's like, there, it, it is, that's journalism. Is that, is that true? Yes. Can anonymous sources be bad? Yes. But that's not exactly what this was. Yeah. It wasn't just anonymous sources dogging on Dade Moore. It was anonymous sources saying how it was. Yeah. So and refute that. The or facts or the facts yes. of the performance of yeah. the team. So if the you field. haven't if you haven't read the Alec Lewis, Andy McCullough, and, and Rustin Dodd article on The Athletic, go read it. It came out and then five days later Dayton Moore was fired. And John Sherman in his press conference was like saying direct things from that article about the way we use data mm-hmm. uh, and how we're behind uh, when it comes to um how we build teams and how we use data. Yeah. So anyways. Okay. Uh, so I it guess I'll go first. Yeah. Bad and good. Bad and good. Kevin doing bad. Danny doing good. All right. So uh, let's see. Man. My my meet number one here. I'm going to go with, uh, let me find the article that I'm referencing so I can so I can have some facts. Oh, I'm at the alt tab to get there. Alt tab it, baby. Alt tab, alt tab. Uh, and my most uh, recent Google uh, search to try to find the movie, by the way, it came up with two results. Okay. On Google, two results. Okay, um, that's tough. That's tough. Man, I, I'm I'm kind of between two. You you two got things. them all. You got, I got them, all. them all. I'm not competing for you. I know, you. I know, but I don't want to like lump too much, but I'm going to, I'm going to lump two of these free agent classes together. Cause they're my two least favorite. Okay. Classes. Go for it. So lump them, together lump them together into one, into one. It's the 2017 and the 2019 free agent classes. Okay. Like 2017, I want to just put up there as a standalone because of how bad it was. But can I guess, I, I think, them? I think that his hands maybe were tied a little bit by ownership. Uh, but you still, you know, this is it. This is Hosmer, Mustakis, Kane, like, the last run all with this gone. group. Like, this is it. This is the last year to go all in or not. And, which he decided to do. Which that was his decision. to go all in. Yes. While also trading Wade Davis for Jorge Soler. Yes. And then here's his free agent class that year. Drew Butera, Brandon Moss, Travis Drew Wood. Drew Butera? The catcher? We, we re-signed him we or re-signed something? him. Okay. Brandon Moss, Travis Wood, Jason Hamill, and Peter Moylan. They combined... We spent $45 million on our last push all in, and they had negative 0.1 war that year. Peter Moreland was a funny dude, though. Yeah, he had he was the best free agent signing that year Hamill, for us. Hamill, Hamill was I think signed he, for two years and $16 yeah. million. That was our... He had, a, so just he had a good year with the Phillies. That decision there of, like, that 2017 offseason. So maybe I'll just put it at that. Yeah. And we won't go into 2019. No, go into two, 2019. Lump it. But 2017 offseason was just, it, it, it ruined the last, the, the, the next. The rebuild. Yeah, the rebuild. It yes. ruined it. It ruined, ruined it completely. Ruined. Uh, 2019 was just laughable. Of just like, because like, he would tell us, like, we're putting a team out there to win. Uh-huh. Uh, Lies. We we signed Lucas Duda again. Yeah. yeah. For the second time. I knew it was that be was Duda. brutal. Like Billy Hamilton. Remember Chris Owens? Yeah. How bad Owings. he was, Chris Owings. Yeah, how just 
was like the worst player in baseball. It yeah, was well, terrible. And we've had that player uh, on our team. Homer lot. Bailey, Jake Diekman, Homer who was Bailey. actually decent. Martin Maldonado. He wasn't bad, but we okay. but we didn't get enough in our trade away when we traded him. Brad Boxberger, DFA'd. Terrence Gore brought back, DFA'd. Like, yeah. just just an abysmal class highlighted okay. by Chris Owings. All right, those two are your one. Yeah, uh, My meet number one here, um, I got to go with the Grinky trade, even though, again, his hand was forced. Yeah. Uh, he did not want to trade Grinky, and Grinky made him trade him. Yeah. And his first trade partner was the Washington Nationals, and Grinky vetoed the trade. Um, and so, again... Uh, by uh, by no effort of his own, he, he kind of uh, backed into this one. But he did get Lorenzo Kane. He got Alcides Escobar. Uh, so two main pieces to us winning. I mean, Lorenzo Kane was our best player for a couple of years. And then um, also got Jake Odorizzi and Jared Jeffries in that trade. He used Odorizzi to get, uh, I think, James Shields and Wade Davis. But uh, we'll talk about that later. But the uh, Zach Grinke trade, he, I mean— we, we won that trade. We nailed that. That was awesome uh, and helped build the team that went to the uh, World Series. We also got rid of Uni Betancourt in that trade. Yes. We traded away Uneski Betancourt. Who which, we had, like, I think signed twice. Yeah, we tried. We wanted to keep him. Yeah, the, the Uni Bomber. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really wanted to keep him. Uh, all right. That's a good trade. Yeah. Defining. The, the stuff that has recently come out about how he didn't want to make it. Mm-hmm. That's, Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, gonna go with uh, his managerial hi- hiring here, uh, Trey Hillman and Mike Matheny. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are some big swings and misses there. Mm-hmm. Like Trey Hillman would like I think berate the team over like fundamentals and stuff. Yeah, like have him come out to home plate and be like, "Let's talk about fundamentals." That sounds and, like it, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, coaching so, the youth baseball team. Just, just everything went wrong with that hire, and then the Mike Matheny hire. Just even the whole process of it, mm-hmm. where he brought in Matheny to be like a special assistant, and then like really after Ned Yost left, it was we're just going to hire Matheny to be the next guy instead of doing any kind of search Correct. outside of the organization or anything like that. Correct. He hired Matheny, who then hired his buddies uh, to come in and, and be the hitting coach, and Cal Eldred, who had never coached. At any level Correct. before, but then became a major league pitching coach. So Correct. just his decisions on hiring managers. And then Ned Yost was an interim manager who just really worked out. And like, I love Ned Yost. Yeah. But was, and it was, it all worked out. But yep. like, I don't know if Ned Yost is a successful manager anywhere but here. Yeah. I don't know if it works out for Ned anywhere but here. And I love yeah. Ned, but yeah. I uh, so it's not I'll, like it was this like I'll, I'll, I'll segue that hire. into into one of my best okay. hanging on to Ned Yost okay. in the middle of 2014 because um, I remember that summer of 2014 later in the summer um, there was there was absolutely no reason to hang on to Ned Yost and and yeah. and um, and yeah I mean Dayton Moore's um, overgrown portion of his brain that makes him loyal to a fault. Um, it kind of helped him out there because Ned was the right guy for the job. It turned out he was the right guy for those postseason runs. And um, everything Ned touched turned to gold for those two postseasons. And it worked out. And it was a lot of Ned being stubborn as hell in the face of information that would tell him to go one way and he would stick to his guns and go the other. And it worked. And it shouldn't have worked, but it did work. And... You gotta you gotta give credit where credit is due, and what Ned Yost 
did and how he treated those players and how he let that team be like that team invented the like hand signals after base base hits and mm -hmm. the allowing those guys to be who they were it, it was the right move at the right time uh, and Ned was the right guy for the job to make those runs, those postseason runs in, the, in 2014 and 2015. So hanging on to Ned when everyone said to fire him in that summer of 2014 uh, ended up being the right move. Um, all right. I'm going to go with my side number one here. Uh, it's just not being able to develop a starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. Just just couldn't do it. Uh, hasn't done it. Hasn't done it. Uh, Danny Duffy was probably yeah, once. Yeah. He did it once, Giordano Ventura twice, and then outside of that. Singer, maybe. Singer, maybe. Probably. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, but really just not being able to develop any starting pitching at any kind of consistency when, like, that's the most expensive thing in baseball. Mm -hmm. Is like one of the most expensive things in baseball is good starting pitching. Oh, yeah. And so we're not going to be able to buy it. You have to develop it. Uh -huh. You have to grow it if we're going to be – a team that doesn't spend a lot of money, and he just couldn't do it. And he doesn't do it. And if and you read the Alec Lewis, yeah. if you read the article from the Athletic, you'll understand why. Because we do things that are are not what every other club is doing, and we're the team that's the worst at it. So, like, if you were if we were doing things that not every other club was doing, and we were developing all these starting pitchers, then yeah, our us going off the beaten path would be a good thing, like investing in a bullpen. But yeah, um, so yeah, I'll I'll, I'll segue that building an amazing, amazing bullpen in 2014, 2015, 2016. I mean, those were the reasons we we won those World Series were those bullpens. And if you look at some of the um some of the numbers, if you dive a little bit into the numbers, like 14 and 15 were two of the greatest bullpens of all time in mm -hmm. the history of baseball. Uh based on um basically any any way you want to look at it, it was automatic. Uh basically uh turned it into a six inning game for us. And um I mean Wade and Kelvin and Holland and everyone else that contributed uh, in pieces at that time were just perfect. And uh, yeah, we we had just that. Those were incredible baseball, incredible bullpens. Some of the best in the history of baseball. Okay, uh, gosh, they were so fun. Yeah, this just lights awesome. out. Seventh inning, we got the lead. Kelvin was so disgusting. Yeah, even after five. Yeah, and with Hochaver in fifteen, uh -huh. it was just like yeah. six, seven, eight, yeah. nine. It's it's over. Uh, man, that was fun. All right, uh, let's see where I want to wrap things up here. Um, man, I kind of talked about developing. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say like just the drafting, mm -hmm. probably for almost a decade mm -hmm. was just terrible. Yep. Um, and, and you can point to like specific things like. Christian Cologne instead of Chris Sale. Like it's it's easy to do that in baseball, but to miss as much as he did mm -hmm. with high high draft picks is uh, pretty terrible. So so that's why I'm going with just overall his drafting was awful. Yep. And uh, as a team that can't spend a ton, yep. In free agency, you, you have, have to, to draft, draft and develop, and he just could not find the right guys. Yep. All right, me number two for me. I'll go. Um, Shoot. I kind of have a lot to choose from, which is making me mad. Um, I'll say, uh, yeah, I'll say the, I'll say the James Shields trade. 
Okay. I, th- I think James Shields and Wade Davis for Will Myers, Jake Odorizzi, and Mike Montgomery. Uh, I think we win that trade. And yep. that was a shift in our culture. A lot was made of, you know, obviously James Shields, big game James, um, coming in and quote-unquote changing the culture, bringing a winning culture. Whether or not that's true, players believed it, and so therefore um, I think it made a difference. And even though, you know, Shields didn't quite show up in, in some of the big moments that he needed to, he was uh, reliable throughout the regular season, and obviously Wade, um, best closer or one of the best closers in the in the history of the organization, and uh, just an unbelievably dominant player for a couple of years, um, two three years there. So um, yeah, I will say that trade. Okay, uh, let's see. A couple I, I left off the list. I kind of mentioned it, but Lucas Duda twice. Yeah. That was that was incredible to go back to Lucas Duda, Jose um, Guillen, Jose Guillen, uh, Gil Mesh, but that was kind of a that was before him. I thought no, he signed him to that, and that was kind of a combination of also uh, Trey Hillman just running his arm into the ground. Yeah, um, so that did not end up being a good contract. And I think too in 2016 we decided to give Alex Gordon the big contract, mm-hmm. and uh, if we would have probably given that to Lorenzo Cain. Uh, probably money much. We thought it was a good spent. move as a fan. I did, but yeah. Um, Ian Kennedy, five years, seventy million. That's extreme. Yeesh. Um, Remember how much he was making to be our closer? It yeah, was just gross. That was gross. Um, other positives for me: the Urban Youth Academy is really incredible. It's an yep. incredible thing for the city. Undebatable. Uh, really, really positive impact on the city that will last far past uh, Dayton Moore. Um, Johnny Cueto, Ben Zobrist, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sneaky Jonathan Sanchez. He traded for Jeremy Guthrie. Sneaky, which good. at the time it looked like two monkeys going poo at each other. But it, Guthrie started Game Seven, and he was a reliable starter for a few years. I tweeted that, and uh, but we traded uh, Milky Cabrera for Jonathan Sanchez, so yeah. it was like kind of making up for the yeah the, the bad trade. Um, and uh, drafting Eric Hosmer and uh, Bobby Witt, those are good draft picks from yeah, him. Um, those were good. Mustakis, a good another good draft pick. Um, that he made so some good draft picks there. I mean, and I think Bobby Woods. Um, you know, I think he's probably is he going to win Rookie of the Year? Uh, or the guy from Seattle will? He's hurt, so numbers. We'll see. Um, Joaquin Soria was a Rule Five pick. Brad Keller was a Rule Five draft pick, which were pretty good picks mm-hmm. from that. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's all I have. Okay, all right, uh, good episode there. Uh, any. No, well, I guess we'll just talk next week. Yeah, I mean, Luther Burden um, has been very cryptic. Uh, cryptic on social media today. So, yeah, just, you know, Great day go ahead. You. Just keep, I'll just keep digging. Just keep digging as, you know, KU celebrates all this shit and K- K-State's ranked. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep digging because Luther Burden's being cryptic. Uh, an 18-year-old is being cryptic on social media, and I have to care about that. Yep. I have to worry about an 18-year-old and what they're doing on social media. So that that's my that's my life. Um, and we've got the North London Derby uh, this weekend, uh, Tottenham versus Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so that will have a big impact on my mood on Saturday. So yeah, I'm just a well-adjusted human being, um, as all of us sports fans are. Okay. All right. Be sure to follow us on social media at State Your Line, and we'll see you around Kansas City.